Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Barry, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, Lake Edition. I'm Carson Cunningham at Lake Ufala, reporting live from Lake Ufala, <laughs> joined as always by my co-host Colby Powell. Colby, I'm uh, at the lake with two other couples and six children, so I am... I, I don't have any kids of my own, so I'm getting a crash course on parenting, something that's in your it's in your current future, but you know it's going to get worse when they get older and want to jump around on inner tubes and stuff. Most definitely. <laughs> Mine is uh, sitting over here about four feet to my left, staring at me as we record this podcast. I did not realize, Carson, that they uh, were moving Big 12 Media Days to Lake Follow this year. What a combo. Yeah, man. When you get out of TV, you just kind of, you can cover Big 12 Media Days from wherever you want. Now, I wasn't as plugged in sitting there listening to every press conference like I had in my, my television career past but I did see all the quotes trickling out all the news well, we got to get into the Big 12 commissioner his comments on expansion which I loved we got to get into Mike Gundy who really was the star of the show at Big 12 media days which he, he usually is but I feel like he's really grown into that role as the years have gone by before we get into that and of course the, the huge breaking news with AJ Ferrari we're gonna talk about that as well but First, we want to go shout out to Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Again, football season right around the corner. We're right right in the middle of media days. That is always kind of the kickoff of college football season. It's like the summer months drag on and on waiting for it, but it's it's right around the corner. So stop by Chris's, get the latest gear. for. You don't want to be wearing old old gear to the games. You want to be wearing the newest coaches' polos, the new hats, everything. Chris's will hook you up. So stop by Chris's and... They'll get you ready for football season. Uh, Colby, where do you want to start? You want to start with the commissioner or you want to start with Mike Gundy? Uh, let's start with Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy, like you said, was kind of the star of the show. I mean, the, the big quote that's getting all the headlines is, Bedlam is history. He basically just came out and was like, look, that's their doing, not ours. They want to leave. That's fine. The game goes with them. And, uh, yeah, that's the one that's getting all the headlines, and that was just Mike Gundy being Mike Gundy. Well, and I think that was a really important message to send because right when OU made this decision, they came out and go, oh, we, we still want to play Bedlam. We, we love that. We, we're, we're still willing to play it. Well, guys, business doesn't work that way. And I said this at the time. If you're in business with someone for over 100 years, which Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were, and you pull a business move like that to basically try to end my business, we're no longer doing business together. You made that decision. You're the one that, that severed ties. So I thought that was a really important message to send to the people that aren't around Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, aren't around Bedlam year in, year out. The whole conference as a whole needed to hear that. I think that was a calculated decision for Mike to say those things. I'm sure he went over it with Dr. Shrum and, and Chad Wyward beforehand. And I totally agree with him. Look, OU, they made their choice. We don't, we don't need Bedlam anymore if they're not going to play in our conference. And frankly, they made the decision not to play it by, by changing conferences. So I loved what he had to say. Yeah, I did too. You know, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma have essentially been married for so, so long. It's like, you know, imagine telling your wife that you're going to leave her, but you'd still like to stop by occasionally and hang out. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's not how this works at all. And Mike Gundy made sure to set the record straight on that. Look, they made this decision. 
They are the reason that this is no longer going to exist. Uh, and we'll see who wins these last couple of Bedlams. Oklahoma State obviously got the most recent addition in Stillwater this last year. I think this year's game is is anybody's. Uh, you just never know. And then, again, we both think that they're going to stick around a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've probably got a few more Bedlams, and somebody's going to get to walk off with bragging rights. Yeah, and, and look, I don't, I don't want Bedlam to go away. I think you and I, Colby, speak for every OSU fan. We love Bedlam. We, we wish the game would continue, but the decision's been made, and you don't want to do, do business with people who operate the way Oklahoma and Texas did. You just don't. And frankly, as I said before, I think this is a good thing for Oklahoma State. How long have they just been in OU's shadow? I mean, it didn't matter how many times they beat OU. didn't matter how many recruiting battles they won. It was always an uphill battle, and it always will be, just based on 100 years of football. Now, Oklahoma State has made unbelievable strides under Mike Gundy. Just, just check all the records. Every, every time they post winning percentages in the Big 12, it's OU and OSU, and way down the list is everybody else. So Oklahoma State is, is right there. They're, 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 as far along, they're as close to OU as they've ever been. And by them leaving, I really think it can be a good thing to not even worry about them. Do your own thing in your own conference. Let them go into the swamps of the SEC recruiting grounds and try to fight those dirty battles. And you just go keep doing what you're doing. I mean, Mike Gundy has a built-in recruiting system. It works. And I, I don't know about you, Colby, but I think getting out of their shadow and not playing them every year I think can be a good thing. Yeah, I think it can, too. I think Oklahoma State needs its own identity. I mean, even just this week, Carson, I was reading some replies on Twitter to some of the, the stuff yesterday with Gundy talking about Bedlam, and, you know, people still on Twitter, Oklahoma State is only relevant in relation to OU. And that is, I mean, that way of thinking is a very pervasive nationally, I think, where it's like, yeah, Oklahoma State, they're down there. What's OU doing? What's OSU doing relative to OU? They beat them this year. They finished higher in the conference. And it's just this constant comparison. And it's this constant comparison to, let's be honest, what has been one of the most successful college football programs in the history of the sport. It's a very high bar uh, for Oklahoma State to reach, especially with some of the, the resource differences, uh, the tradition differences, recruiting differences, things of that nature, just stadium, proximity to, to a metro area, all that stuff uh, that Oklahoma State's fighting an uphill battle on. So, yeah, if you can get out of OU shadow, I think you do it, and you just live with whatever comes next. So I, I actually am very excited for the future. Yeah, and it was always a yeah, but. Yeah, Mike Gundy's won 10 games four out of six years, but did he beat OU? No. And people would always hold that against him. And I think if you go back before Mike and even early in Mike's tenure, there, it's been this way for so long with OU and, and OSU's been down for so long in years past where it was, there was almost a sense amongst the OSU fan base that I would rather go 1-11 as long as we beat OU. That was kind of the mindset back in the old days. Well, Mike Gundy has completely flipped that to where, yeah, we, we definitely want to beat OU every year because we want to win the Big 12 championship. That's a complete, but this program is in such a different headspace than it used to be. Back when they were going 0-10, people just wanted to beat OU and they, they would call this season a success. Now if you beat OU and go 5-7, and seven, that's a failure, even if you beat OU. And I, I just, I love that. And I think Mike said a lot of great things once again. He just reiterated all the things he's been saying about the leadership with Dr. Shrum and, and, and Chad Weiberg. And, and I just, and Mike Gundy basically said too, Colby, that the Big 12's here to stay for a long time. And it's just amazing to think back to Big 12 media days last year when uh, the Big 12 was seemingly done. It was being hunted. Now they are the hunter. 
with the Pac-12 stuff looming. So I think with OU and Texas leading, Oklahoma State has tremendous opportunity along with Baylor to really be the, the flag bearers. And I thought Mike Gundy took that flag and ran with it at media days. I, I definitely think he was the star of the show. Yeah, I think so too. And that's kind of going to be Mike Gundy moving forward, I think, right? I think that he's going to be, to an extent, the face of what will be the new conference because Mike Gundy's very recognizable nationally. You know, he's got all the mullet stuff, the I'm a man, I'm 40, just all all of the stuff uh, that Mike Gundy has done with his persona over the years. He's going to be one of the leaders of the new conference. He's going to be somebody that people are looking for uh, to, to go to Big 12 Media Days every year and stand up and say the strong things about conference realignment and uh, you know, the Big 12 and the future and all that stuff. And I, I think that he is well prepared to take on that role. So, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed watching Mike Gundy evolve over the years. I think that this version of Mike Gundy is probably my favorite version of Mike Gundy. You know, the, the We've Got a Logo 2 stuff. I think that, uh, you know, for a long time he talked about we created this monster and now we've got to feed it. And now he's talking about... Let's go win conference championships. You know, he, he just he sounded different the last couple of years uh, as far as the trajectory of the program and where they want to get to. Uh, and yeah, I think that this is probably my favorite version of Mike Gundy that we've had at Oklahoma State over these past two seasons. Yeah, and I, I've covered Big 12 Media Days since 2008, so most of Mike Gundy's tenure. It, it's amazing once you once you cover him for a long period of time at Media Days, you can all like Mike is very straightforward just with his demeanor his attitude and the way he speaks he can tell at media days every single year how good they're going to be if he's in a good mood and jovial and, and fun loving he knows he's got a damn good team i always think back to that 2010 team with Sweden's first year you know they weren't they were picked middle to the bottom of the league and he showed up and was like we're gonna be really good and, and he didn't pull any punches he's like we're gonna be outstanding like we're gonna have a great team we got a great offensive line we're we're good to go. And I'm curious, I didn't get to listen to him. Did you, his demeanor at media days, you can always kind of tell how good they are. From the quotes I saw, he said Spencer Sanders is, is a magician in our offense now. Did you kind of get the sense with his positivity that he feels like he has a really good team? Yes, I definitely did. I, I thought that he was kind of, I, I don't know if jovial is the right word. He was just classic Mike Gundy. He was holding court. Everybody, he had everybody's attention, uh, you know, and, and that's something that not everybody can do. I mean, we all remember what a jackass Tom Herman looked like whenever he showed up at Big 12 Media Days and just, I mean, acted like he had never done a press conference before in his entire life. Not everybody can just show up and hold court uh, and be the man of the hour, and I thought that Mike Gundy did that. I thought that he did sound very confident talking about Spencer Sanders, and I'm excited to see what Spencer can be another year with Casey Dunn. I, I think that they're both more comfortable and more confident with each other, and we started to see that later in the season. Obviously, you know, offensive line stuff and run game, Spencer Sanders is going to be better whenever that stuff works well, but I also think that there's a chance that Spencer Sanders, um, I, I don't know the, about a 1,000-yard rusher, but I think 800 rushing yards somewhere in that neighborhood for Spencer this year is very much in play. So uh, I think this offense, even despite a couple of key losses, uh, you know, Tay Martin in particular, uh, Jalen Warren, obviously, even despite those couple of losses, I think that this offense can still be really good. Yeah, I do too. And I, I still think, despite Spencer being named first-team quarterback, the rest of the league just still doesn't believe it. You know, you, you see it out there on social media. I hear local sports talk radio. They, they're just they not in. 
that they're still not bought in based on again those two ba- those two Baylor games and the turnovers. People just kind of lump that into who he is as a whole. And as you and I have discussed ad nauseum, he he had two bad games against a really good Baylor defense. Besides that, he was far and away the best quarterback in the Big Twelve last year. And I think we also tend to overlook sometimes Colby us and in the Big Twelve at, at large. He was starting as a, a sophomore. Like he, he, this is a learning curve. I mean, you just go back to quarterbacks start like go back to like Vince Young his first year as a sophomore he did a lot of the same things that Spencer Sanders did with turnovers and and fumbles and interceptions now I'm not saying Spencer Sanders is going to be Vince Young but by the time Vince Young was a senior he was basically Barry Sanders playing quarterback like he couldn't tackle the guy and I I really think what we saw in the Notre Dame game and certainly in the second half of the Bedlam game I think that's what we're going to see this season I really do I think and again, we also, I've been hammering this since he's been the quarterback. He's had three different offensive coordinators, four different quarterback coaches. This was like the first time he's had the same staff intact of his tenure. And I just think all of those pieces, I am extremely confident in Spencer Sanders. And I think he is going to be the first team quarterback. Whether he's player of the year, whether big, they win the Big 12, we don't know that. We're going to find out. But I, I have a lot of confidence in Sanders moving forward. Yeah, I do as well, and I'm curious to see. Uh, you know, another thing about the Big 12 that has changed, we went through a stretch in this conference, Carson, where it was just elite, elite, elite quarterback play. We're talking first-round draft picks, first overall draft picks, Heisman Trophy winners, and now we've had a couple of years in the Big 12 conference where the quarterback play has been good, but there's not just like these crazy elite-level number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy candidate guys, and I think that 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 run that the Big 12 had with those elite quarterbacks almost tainted people's view of what a good college quarterback is because it's not always winning the Heisman and being the first overall pick. What Spencer Sanders did last year, he was a really good college quarterback. I don't think there's any reason to believe that he won't be again this year. But, yeah, I mean, you, you had Mayfield and Murray and Mahomes. And, uh, I mean, at Oklahoma State, you had Rudolph Whedon. You know, you had some seriously elite college quarterbacks. Uh, and so I think to an extent, quarterbacks in this conference now, Spencer Sanders included, are being compared to quarterbacks uh, of past Big 12 eras whenever they were scoring 60 points a game. Uh, so it's a different game. But, yeah, Spencer Sanders, Spencer Sanders Sanders, uh, very productive college quarterback, and I'm very much looking forward uh, to seeing what he looks like this year with Casey Dunn because I think uh, I think the upside is is serious and it's there. I do too, and I, I think what you hit on there with the quarterback play, I think that's why you've seen the defenses. You know, we, we keep saying the defenses have gotten better. It it didn't matter. Like Mike Gundy's had said this for years. It didn't matter what how good you were on defense if you had an NFL quarterback back there and a spread offense, it's just a matter of time before you're giving up yards and yards per play and, and points. And Mike Gundy has said that in the past, too. He's like, just look at the bowl games. You know, you have a, a Big 12 team playing against a team that's really uh, well-respected on defense, and they'll put up 40 or 50 points against them in bowl games. And I think that that's a certain that's – that's another reason, I think, to be confident despite all the losses on defense is what you said about the quarterbacks. There's not a ton of NFL quarterbacks. My first media days was – Colt McCoy, Sam Bradford, Chase Daniel, Todd Reesing, and those guys walking around. You're like, holy crap, this is some star-studded quarterbacks in this league, and and it's been proven. So I I think that's another reason to be confident in Derek Mason and and the defense despite, because that is, like, when you just list out all the guys they've lost on defense, like, it's a concern. There's there's no way around it. All those guys that either graduated or even transferred, like Bernard Converse, those those type guys, Colby Harvell-Pill even, Trey Sterling, there's a lot of holes to fill. 
but I, I don't think they're, they're walking into a league with, with new starters on defense, but we, it's not the typical big 12 that you saw with the Chase Daniels of the world and, and Sam Bradford and Colt McCoy's. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, the linebackers I'm, I'm very worried about, I just don't see Carson, how it's possible for this year's unit to be as good of a tackling team as last year's unit was. Those guys were such good tacklers. And I'm not saying the guys this year won't be, but I cannot imagine having a group of better tacklers than uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper, Colby Harvell, Peel, Trey Sterling. Even Christian Holmes was a really good tackler on the edge. I mean, those teams could tackle. So that's one thing I'll be looking for this year. Is Oklahoma State giving up more yards after catch, more yards after contact to running back, stuff like that? Uh, because if they can tackle even remotely close to what they did a year ago, I expect them to be the best defense uh, in the conference again, or at least at worst, top two right there with Baylor. Yep, I agree. I mean, you're right. I mean, they they lost the heart and soul of the defense, I, I believe, with, with Devin Harper and, and Malcolm Rodriguez. Those guys covered up a lot of deficiencies for not only the defensive line, but even secondary, if they got lost over the middle, those guys cleaned up a lot of messes. So we'll have to see who steps up on defense. But again, I mean, OSU, I think legitimate Big 12 title contenders, they, they received some first place votes. And I think the poll, once again, kind of reflects how kind of wide open the league is this year. It's going to come down to those those top three, in my opinion. Uh, it's basically a three-team three round robin unless chaos goes goes haywire but I think it's going to come down to Oklahoma Baylor and Oklahoma State and it's going to come down to those specific games so we'll have to see but what'd you make of the uh the new commissioner I thought I loved I love that he didn't beat around the bush that this is a real opportunity with the, the Pac-12 being the status it is and uh there's a lot of talk Colby just first before we get into the talk about Oregon and Washington that's kind of heating up just your your thoughts on the, on the new commissioner I was pretty impressed with what he had to say yeah, I was too. I was I was impressed with his demeanor, just kind of the way he spoke. He spoke very confidently and like, you know, look, this is my gig and I'm here to do it. Uh, we want the Big 12 to to be strong moving forward. Uh, I loved him talking about the conference being open for business, all that good stuff. College football is changing. College athletics is changing. And, and it's poach or be poached. This is, uh, this is not the time to sit around and wait and see what everybody else is going to do. So uh, I really liked the way that he came out and spoke and what was really kind of his first chance to make an impression on everybody. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't sit on your hands like his predecessor Bob Bullsby did with expansion. Now, Bob's I will say Bob's arms were kind of tied with OU and Texas. They weren't going to let any teams in that, that cut into their their split of the pie. So I do think his hands were tied in a bit. But now this new commissioner, his hands aren't tied. In fact, he's invigorated by the, the remaining teams in the conference to do something. And I think he's going to. And Colby, there's a lot of talk now. I got to give you credit. I may have been. I, I think I may have been wrong about inviting Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, just for the geography. Geography's out the window, <laughs> and now the, the teams that add the most value, which you you were way more in on than I was, because I didn't really want to go to the Pacific Northwest. But it appears the latest talk is that Oregon, Washington, and Utah would be three teams. I think the Big Twelve would be eyeing because they add the most value. Uh, sign me up again. I, I wanted to avoid the West Coast, but the coasts are off the table. USC is going to go play at Rutgers eventually. I mean, that's it's off the table. So who cares? Go add the three best, most powerful entities. And I think Oregon, Washington, Utah, they add those three. Boom. The Big 12 is far and away the third best conference. And, and I feel, as a whole, if they add those three, you can put the Big 12 right up against the Big 10 in terms of quality of football programs, top to bottom. Uh, if they played a head-to-head, 
one versus, you know, matched them up seeding wise, but the, the exact same seeds across the board, I would favor the Big 12. I really would. Because once you get past Ohio State, there's nobody in that Big 10 that scares me. Michigan State doesn't scare me. Michigan, damn sure, doesn't scare me. They were a paper tiger last year. They had to play a team that had any offense, they were doomed. And, uh, you know, USC and UCLA got a long way to go before they're back to being relevant. So I, I think the Big 12 is in a fantastic position if they were to add those three. Yeah, I think that Big Ten certainly is going to have some bigger names. Uh, it'll also depend on once the conferences actually realign and once all this stuff happens, what happens to recruiting, right? I mean, if it turns into Big Ten and SEC are these monsters and everybody else gets to pick up the pieces, gets the scraps of what's left, I mean, that, that could potentially harm Oklahoma State. I, I don't know what this is going to look like going forward, but uh, I do think that the Big 12 is in a good position. And like you said, you can take up your little paper map of the United States, you can wad it into a big ball and throw it right in the trash can because geography is out the window. It's about TV markets. It's about name brands. And I mean, honestly, if you want to poach some some good TV markets and some good name brands from the Pac-12, you have to travel a little bit further west. And I think that your market is prepared to do that. Uh, you know, fire up the jets and, and let's all travel because, uh, yeah, if USC can go to Rutgers, I guess that West Virginia can go to Eugene. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that with recruiting because one quote that stuck out to me too Mike said this is something I don't I didn't have any idea and it makes a lot of sense because I don't recruit 18 year olds he goes because you know what's funny is most recruits they don't even know what conference say Purdue is in all they truly care about is what you can do for them and they, they, they don't really grasp or care about what league certain teams are in who they play what their you know market share is what the conferences share is like they they're so focused on on their own personal well-being and rightfully so that i think oklahoma state just keeps doing what they're doing they've they've they have a system of guys they look for and guys they think will thrive in their system and it's kind of funny all of us we're so concerned about what conference teams are in and where where we're playing and all those things that the recruits don't don't care so much they care about what NIL deal they're going to get or, or what, what position they're going to play and how they're going to be coached and, and what, what's in it for them. So I do think that that helps in a way that, you know, kids these days, they don't, especially since things are changing so much, Colby, hell, I don't even know what conference Maryland's in half the time. <laughs> you kind of forget they're in the Big Ten, not the ACC, you know? No, you're right, and I, I do think that Oklahoma State, because again, it's not as if Oklahoma State has been recru- recruiting at a top five, top ten level in the country and putting together these ten win seasons. No, Oklahoma State's been recruiting at a top 25 to 30 level in the country, and I think it's reasonable to expect that they could maintain that uh, once all this reshuffling is done. Can, can you get a big boost? I don't know. Maybe if you make a college football playoff or two once these conferences realign and all of a sudden you're more of a power in the Big 12, maybe you you make a playoff or two and you start to get some better recruits. I don't know what that looks like going forward, but I, I can't picture a big drop-off because it's not like Oklahoma State's already you know an elite recruiter around the country. Like you said, they kind of get their guys. And, and I still feel like Oklahoma State's going to be able to get their guys once this is all done. So uh, I, I think that the upside in recruiting is that maybe you come you become more competitive postseason-wise uh, once you get away from OU uh, in particular. I mean, Texas is just kind of the brand. OU more competitively is what has kept you uh, away from some of those things. So uh, yeah, I think that Oklahoma State potentially has some room to move up in recruiting if things go well. Uh, and if things go poorly, you just kind of stay about where you're at, keep getting your guys and going out trying to win 10, 11, 12 games and what will be a very different-looking Big 12. 
Well, and I, again, I, I think over the last four or five years, Mike has really, really hammered the state of Oklahoma. He's gotten the best player out of Oklahoma in multiple years in a row. And I, I think you're already starting to see Oklahoma starting recruiting more kids from Georgia, more kids from Florida. Like they're going to start recruiting more in those SEC territories. They already are. That's only going to expand further once they're in that conference to where I think Mike's already taken real opportunity in the state of Oklahoma. I think he's going to do the same thing in Texas. I think Oklahoma, Texas, they're going to start recruiting more kids from the Southeast. And let's face it, there's enough talent in Texas to go around, and Mike's made a living off that. So that ain't going away. And in fact, I think he's already taken an opportunity in Oklahoma. I think he's going to do the same thing in Texas. Yeah, I think he might as well. And, you know, like you said, I'm a huge fan of what Mike Gundy's done in the state of Oklahoma. He's done a great job keeping guys in state. Uh, You know, Oklahoma State's always gotten a lot of guys from Texas. I'm curious to see moving forward as the conferences do realign and with NIL stuff because let's – we can be honest with ourselves. Texas A&M, they've got a whole bunch of money, way more than Oklahoma State to spend on this NIL stuff. Texas, way more money than Oklahoma State to spend on this NIL stuff. But even if – Texas and Texas A&M, and let's even throw OU and maybe LSU in there. Even if those four schools, uh, even Arkansas maybe, even if those schools are recruiting Texas really well, there is still a ton of talent in that state that Oklahoma State can scoop up. And we've seen that, uh, particularly at the receiver position, where Oklahoma State has gotten a bunch of the, the best receivers in school history are from Texas. Some of them are from smaller towns in Texas. You know, James Washington was, what, two or three-star uh, multiple sport athlete. Guys like that that Oklahoma State will still have the ability to find. So, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about Oklahoma State in recruiting. It's just whether you can ever make that big leap. And and I don't know if Oklahoma State can make that big leap, but even if they can just get a little bit better in that area over the next five to ten years to set whoever will eventually be Mike Gundy's predecessor, we we don't know – we don't know who that's going to be, but you know, eventually somebody's going to take over for him, and it'd be nice if he had this program running at a top 20 recruiting level and a top uh, 10 to 15 on the field level year in, year out, uh, set the next guy up for success uh, whenever that time may come. Carson, maybe five years, 10, 15, 20, who knows, uh, but that day's going to come eventually, and I think that Mike Gundy is, is putting himself in position to hand over the keys to a very successful program. Yep, I agree. I mean, you talked about the in-state recruiting. Can I interest you in a in an all Presley kickoff return team? I mean that yes. that already got my that already got me excited for football season. Let's make Oklahoma State special teams great again. Yes, I'm in on that. I'm in on having both Presleys back there. You know what I want? I want some trick plays on returns with both of the Presleys. I want them throwing <laughs> laterals side to side. I want one guy laying down on the logo so that he can hide, reverse handoffs. <laughs> I want all of it. Little uh, brotherly love on the back end of some some punt returns for Oklahoma State. Yeah, Braylon won't be too hard to hide. He's he's a tiny little guy, but he's impossible <laughs> to tackle. I, can't, I cannot wait to see him at, at this level because – Again, I said it last year. I think Braylon Presley is the best high school football player I've covered in the state. And that goes along with the Sterling Shepherds of the world, guys like that. He was the most impressive high school kid I've ever seen. That's high and he's, he's undersized, but he, he, you can't tackle him. So, I, and Especially now, the way football's played, it's, it's basketball on grass. I can't wait to see what Casey Dunn cooks up for him, Brandon Presley, and, and all those new guys, the Shetron twins. They, they're getting a lot of buzz. Spencer said they might play this year, contribute this year. So there's a lot of fresh faces to get excited about. Recruiting's going well. Oklahoma State's in a great spot. So anything else uh, 
stick out to you for media days before we move on to the Ferrari news? Uh, I don't believe so. Let's uh, let's get to the bad news. Yep. I mean, by now, if you're listening to this, you've heard the news. John Smith has dismissed uh, AJ Ferrari from the wrestling team. There was a uh, report from Stillwater Police about a potential alleged sexual assault that occurred. Uh, you got to think, Colby, that John Smith had all the facts and said, I've seen enough. And uh, to, to let go of a, a wrestler that at one point in time, we're sitting here talking about winning, being, becoming the first five-time national champion uh, with the, the injury he had in the, in the car accident prior. He had him a chance to be a five-time national champion in Oklahoma State, and now he's, he's no longer a member of the team. It was uh, That's a big blow for, for John Smith, but uh, more than anything, it's sad, Colby, when you got a guy of, of this talent um, who really was given a second chance at life. Uh, it's just – it's disappointing for everyone involved. It's disappointing for him. It's disappointing for John Smith and the program, and it's disappointing for the OSU wrestling program as a whole. Yeah, you know, the whole thing is, is incredibly sad. Uh, A.J. Ferrari, obviously – Young, talented, vibrant. I, I mean, you you and I, Carson, have talked about the fact that, you know, he and his family need like a Netflix show just to, to detail their lives. They're just wild and crazy. And, you, you know, to have his time at Oklahoma State into this way, this is always going to follow him. But uh, he made his decisions. He's a grown man uh, who, who made decisions, and he gets to live with the consequences. Uh, and it sounds like uh, – Sounds like, like you said, John Smith had the information that he needed to make his decision. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, with, with the police and the investigation and all that stuff. But if John Smith um, had what he thought was, uh, uh, I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision. But once he had the information, I'm telling you, deciding to dismiss AJ Ferrari. That, that was a big deal for John Smith. Uh, so I, I give credit to Coach Smith for being able to do that. You know, winning doesn't come over everything. Uh, and whenever so some things go down, I, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I've just read everything that you all have read. Uh, it sounds like something, uh, you know, not, not great. Something pretty bad went down, and John Smith did what needed to be done. So uh, I feel like I kind of talked circles around myself there. But, you know, it's just a tough situation for everyone involved. Uh, obviously there is a very real victim here, it would appear, uh, who's probably going to get lost in a lot of this as, as we all talk about, you know, Ferrari and how this impacts Oklahoma State wrestling and all that stuff. It's just, it's a very hard situation for everybody involved. These things uh, happen from time to time in sports. They they never get easier. They never get easier, and uh, we all have to remember as we have these discussions that there's a very real person on the other end of this uh, that's going through a lot as well. So just a very hard situation for everyone involved. Yeah, it is. And again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and make judgments on a college kid. That's, that's not my place. I was in college. I've done plenty of stupid things um, in my life. So I'm, I'm not here to cast judgment. It's just I, I, I take a step back. and I mean, A.J. Ferrari is lucky to be alive. That is not hyperbole. That is not an overstatement. I mean, he was in a head-on collision on a highway going at a high rate of speed. And, you know, he had to feel he was lucky to be alive. He was lucky to have a second chance at life. And this is what he's made of that second chance. He, he's, he's made these decisions and he's no longer a member of the Oklahoma State Wrestling Program. And I just hope he, you know, takes a step back, looks at where he's at now and decisions he's made. And perhaps, you know, all the media attention and hype, um, got to his head i don't know i'm not here to cast judgments again it's just more than anything it's just i hope that he realizes that he's lucky to be alive like that's not 
that's not an overstatement. I mean, that was a scary, scary deal. And he has now made another poor decision. And I, I just hope he learns from this one. And wherever he continues his career, I wish him nothing but the best. But actions have consequences. And, you know, sometimes when you're young, you don't think about those. But he's, he's going to have a lot of time to think about it now. And, again, his, his younger brothers and family had moved to Stillwater. So they're they're largely affected by this too. I wonder what's going to happen with his younger brothers and, and the family and all those things will be sorted out. But again, I, I just, I worry about the, the victim that you mentioned. And, and again, it's just, it's, it's just a, it's a huge blow for, for Oklahoma state, but more importantly, it's a huge blow for a, a kid that has the, the world at his, at his hands. Um, he's going to be successful moving forward. If he, if he learns from this, so it's just, it's, it's just sad. It's uh, you, you hate to see a kid like to me, it's, it's, totally different than the Justin Blackman situation, but it gives me, it gives me personal similar feelings of a kid that is one of the best to ever, ever play his sport. And that's been taken from him from his own decisions and own doing. And it's, it's just sad more than anything. It it always is. And I always struggle with how to talk about these things and find the right words uh, to make sure that you're towing the line between, you know, this being a very sensitive subject and uh, how it impacts Oklahoma state and all that stuff, because you know, that is what we're talking about here. We're doing an Oklahoma state podcast talking about Oklahoma state athletics, but it it is just very sad. You mentioned his family moving up there. You know, he's got a younger brother who's a big time wrestling prospect, uh, high school wrestling here in the state of Oklahoma. And all this stuff is impacted. Uh, Obviously, the um, the alleged victim at the other end of this. It's just it's hard to really figure how these things kind of happen. I mean, you you get to college, uh, young people doing young people stuff, doing stupid stuff, uh, doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, and uh, you know it, it impacts people's lives. And a lot of a lot of people's lives are being impacted by some of the decisions that were made. So, uh, just a, a tough, tough deal. Uh, I am a big believer in second chances. Now, that doesn't mean you always get a second chance uh, where you screwed up. And, you know, today might not even be the day to talk about second chances. There's some other things going on. But, uh, you know, I do hope that once this is all said and done, uh, if there are consequences to be paid, that the consequences are paid. Uh, And then at that point, hopefully everyone can move on with their lives and uh, bounce back from this. Yep, that's well said. Uh, let's get to uh, Bullets and BBs. What do you got for me this week, Coley? Carson, I'm giving my bullet to Mike Gundy. We talked about it, uh, just his demeanor, his his tone, everything at Big 12 Media Days. He just sounds different than in years past. He just sounds different. He sounds uh, confident. I think he's walking a, a good line between sounding confident and sounding cocky. Uh, you know, you want to leave, leave. And just not, not even just that quote. Mike Gundy said a lot of things, and, and just his overall demeanor uh, I thought was great. He, he seems like over the last couple of years, he's been re-energized for Oklahoma State football and trying to get this uh, program back back where it should be. And I should say back where it should be. He's the one who's built it. Uh, but get this program where it should be. Year in, year out. You know, bad seasons should be your your eight-win seasons. Should be a bad season. Not not having to get the, uh, the, the rival coach to punt twice so that you can get to six. No, your bad season needs to be eight. Uh, your good seasons need to be 12 or 13. And that's where Mike Gundy uh, is kind of taking this thing, and he's been a little bit more open uh, about expressing that lately. So I've been very impressed uh, with Mike Gundy over the past couple of years, and he was very impressive yesterday at Big 12 Media Days. Yeah, I think, you know, going back to that Notre Dame game, he sees it, he's sensing an opportunity. I think we're going to hear Mike be – way more bullish moving forward one because he should be based he needs to he really needs to toot his own horn more and i think that's 
think his administration's told him that. Like, look, dude, you're one of the winningest active coaches. Like, again, I mentioned the Big 12 records over the last 10 years. Like, you're the dude. And, and, and you should, you should toot your own horn more. I think we're going to hear, we're going to hear Mike be way more bullish on what Oklahoma State is, the football program. He's built it to this and, and they're legit Big 12 champs. I thought he, he definitely was the star of the show on his day at Media Day. Um, my bullet is going to go to Brock Martin, who was rocking the cowboy hat, the cowboy boots, and the wider mustache. I mean, Every year it feels like Oklahoma State's kind of, when they walk in, they're, they, they kind of have something going. They, one year they, uh, they had the, the Zach Siner for, for Heisman campaign going on. Uh, they always wear, like, nice suits. They're always, they're always well-dressed. And I thought the cowboy boots with the, the cowboy hat, Brock looked awesome. And, and it's, it's great getting him back. You know, his body's gone through a lot as a college football player. He clearly just loves the game and wants to keep playing and, and came back for another year and, I just I always go back to that play against TCU when that offensive lineman was trying to, to hit him after the play and he hip tosses the dude over his head onto the ground and it's just like don't mess with wrestlers and certainly don't mess with one that plays on the defensive line because that's what's going to happen to you he's going to throw you on your head and I'm I'm really excited to see Brock Martin uh, play this year because he was he was great last year and he played through some unbelievable injuries and pain which just shows you how tough the dude is so I thought he was well-dressed and uh, a great representative of Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, he, he was very well-dressed, which brings me to my BB, Carson. I, I don't know how much of the Open Championship you've got to catch this morning at uh, Lake Eufaula. Victor Hovland, former Cowboy. Love Victor Hovland. Playing some good golf. Three under par. Uh-oh. Carson, Uh-oh. Carson, he is wearing maybe the most disgusting shirt of anyone in the entire field, and there are always some bad shirts at these places. Victor I don't know who comes up with these designs. This It's a bad shirt from Victor Hovland. If y'all haven't watched the Open Championship this morning, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be highlights. Go, go back and look at Victor Hovland's shirt. Uh, he actually just took his jacket off about five or ten minutes ago. Looked good in the jacket. Then he took it off, and it's this weird... I don't even know how to describe it. Go look at it. Victor Hovland's shirt gets my Thursday BB. Yeah, he's sponsored by that European company, Jay Lindbergh. And they yeah. put him in some atrocious stuff. I mean, I remember the Masters, he was wearing pink pants with a giant white stripe <laughs> down the side. It's like, who approved this? Like, Nike's going off the rails. Tony Finau's always wearing, like, your grandma's rug on his shirt design. Uh, it's Golf fashion's going in a, in a bad direction, and Jay Lindbergh definitely deserves a BB because they make Victor look silly sometimes. Yes, 100%. Uh, my BB goes to, let's see here. I got a lot of candidates. I'm going to go with the folks that think, like mainly the OU folks that are, are getting all excited now that, oh, well, if the Big 12 adds Utah and Oregon and, and Washington, that means OU and Texas will get to leave early. No, 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 no. BB for you. Yep. This new commissioner ain't letting you go unless it suits them financially. And again, I'm going to keep saying it. If they want out, write me a check for $80, $90 million a piece. And then you can go. Until then, you ain't going anywhere. Because you know what? We added these teams, and you're still going to be a big slice of the pie, and we're going to make a lot of money. As well. we're, gonna, we're going to drain all the juice out of that orange, to use a, an orange analogy. We ain't, we ain't going to cut it in half and let you have the other half and walk on down the road. We're going to squeeze that thing until it's a messy little pulp. 
So for all these fans getting excited about OU and Texas going to the SEC, pump the brakes. Ain't happening. Now, it is there is a lot to be decided, and it's a great thing for the Big 12 that the Pac-12 deal is, is coming up because that gives the Big 12, now that they're the more powerful by far conference, gives them way more negotiating power in the TV deal. So I'll add the caveat, if they negotiate some great big TV deal with the current teams, and it suits it suits Oklahoma State and all the Big Twelve teams and the commissioner. Then maybe, but for now, don't get too excited, fans. Yep, I'm with you. It seems like for the next couple of years, OU and Texas have two options: you pay or you stay. Those are your options. You don't just get to leave. So uh, I am right there with you on that. All right, Colby. I haven't watched much golf, but uh, it seems like uh, St. Andrews is pretty gettable. Uh, St. Andrews was very gettable this morning when it was calm. The wind has seriously picked up now. Uh, Tiger threw one up in the wind on the first hole, ended up in the water, made double after he missed a little three-footer. So uh, it's getting a little tougher, but Spieth just made a birdie. Rory shot 66. Uh, St. Andrews is looking beautiful. Burnout, baked out, firm, fast. Uh, I I love it. I absolutely nerd out for St. Andrews. Uh, This is for a, a classic golf nerd like me. This is just about as good as it gets. I always love the open. I love coffee golf. Waking up early, watching the golf. So oh yeah. I'll, I'll try. I'll try to get up before all these kids tomorrow and watch some of the some of the coverage. But uh, I am fired up for the for the open. And again, we we've kind of lessened the show to, to one a week during the off season. But once football season gets cranked up, Colby and I will be done back to our normal schedule of a couple podcasts a week because there's so much to get into once football season's here. Recapping the games, looking ahead to the next game. So, Colby, we're kind of in that that sweet spot of. It's, it's starting to heat up. We're still in the calm before the storm, but I can't wait for football season. Yep, I can't either. Big 12 media days, though. Uh, it was fun. It was fun listening to your marks, fun listening to Mike Gundy, uh, and it'll be a fun football season. As always, everybody enjoy the Open Championship. Root for the Pokes, and uh, everybody have a great weekend. Go Pokes! <laughs>